Hi, I'm Mikey Domegala, host of Inside Buzz. Welcome to episode 10. There's been plenty of dominant big men in Duke history. Danny Ferry, Christian Leitner, Elton Brand, Carlos Boozer, Jalil Okafor, and of course, most recently, Zion Williamson. But in the early to mid-2000s, Sheldon Williams was that big man at Duke. He was dominant, and he still leads the school in all-time rebounds and blocks, and he quickly became one of the best collegiate big men of his time. Williams is today's guest on Inside Buzz. We'll touch on his Duke days, his six years in the NBA, some great players he laced them up with, and also his podcast today. Sheldon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks for having me. It's day 17 without the NBA due to the coronavirus. All sports are stopped. How's Sheldon Williams doing with this? Are you going through the attic and looking at your old basketball memories? Are you going through your old highlights? See, uh, in the first few days, it was pretty much me just kind of looking at different uh, sports platforms and watching old games of, you know, different eras and everything. I was doing that at first. And then I got kind of tired of that. So I started going into uh, Netflix and Hulu, started watching, binge watching shows. I'm not a reality show person, but I got myself into uh, Love is Blind, which is a little bit embarrassing to say, but it wound up being a good show. But <laughs> yeah, just trying to keep myself entertained and everything. But uh, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, after waking up and you working out, uh, as much as you can at the house, and you have the rest of the day just staring at the walls and TV. And Sheldon, what are your thoughts of March Madness being canceled? I mean, you know, you're in the tournament almost all four years at Duke. I'm sure you could feel for those players and teams who missed out this year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, honestly, I didn't think that the tournament was going to be canceled when this first was announced. Like, you no, know, you know, coronavirus was kind of you know, starting up. Uh, I just thought, you know, we're going to find a cure to, you know, take care of it and, you know, at, at worst, play without any fans. But, you know, with uh, the seniors, that, you know, for the most part, the seniors are the ones I'm really uh, sorry for because they don't have a chance to go out and, uh, you know, just everything they work for. You know, it's pretty much what everybody, you know, does. And, you know, guys like, you know, um, OB and uh, Dayton, you know, having a remarkable season and everything, and him not able to finish off his career. I mean, Dayton might not have another year like this ever again, and they might not even have a chance to, you know, prove themselves in the tournament. So it's, 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 I feel bad for these guys, especially, you know, since I played in uh, all four years of my years at, at college, and them not able to do the same thing. So, Sheldon, can you paint the picture in our minds of being a superstar on Duke University campus. You know, one night you might be putting up 20 and 10 on national television, then the next day you're in class. So how was it for you, J.J. Redick, and some of the huge names to just, you know, go around a college campus every day? Honestly, I mean, being at Duke, and everybody knows it's such a, um, a Duke basketball dominant sport um, was, you know, at Duke. Uh, but at the being on campus, you know, Coach K always had the freshmen on the freshman uh, campus. So we were still a part of, as much as we could, you know, with practices and us being away from games, we were still a part of the freshman community and everything. So we still felt like, you know, we still had college life and, you know, be around us as well. So he did, he did a good job of kind of keeping, you know, the small part that we did have being, you know, college students. You spent all four years at Duke with Sean Dockery, who was also on Inside Buzz with me a few weeks ago. What can you say about your relationship with Dockery when you're teammates and then today? Doc is a good guy. Um, when I was coming out of uh, high school, he had a TV show. Everybody was watching, tuning in and watch, you know, uh, with Chicago Preps and everything. It was just something that everybody was watching. You know, it was him and Will Bynum, Eddie Curry, and all these guys. And, you know, we never had a show like that before, and that's something that everybody kind of tuned in. 
uh, especially, you know, um, people like, you know, when I was in Oklahoma, you know, basketball wasn't as keen as it was, you know, um, other states. It's gotten a lot better, uh, especially with us having an NBA team now and everything. But at that time, I didn't see a lot of guys leaving and uh, going to, you know, pursue the basketball dreams. And then having Sean put, you know, basketball on a platform like that and then be able to play with him, it was just a great um, situation. Because I used to I ask him all the time, like, you know, how did it feel? Like, he was literally, like, a superstar, you know what I mean? Like, everybody knew who you were before you even came to Duke. And then you going to Duke, which went even higher. So, but uh, Doc's a great guy. He's also a funny guy as well, too. He's been doing a good job and just uh, staying in the basketball world, uh, training uh, kids and NBA players as well. Yeah, he's got a lot of big NBA players under his belt that he's trained. And, Doc, if you're listening to this, thanks for coming on again a few weeks ago. And, Sheldon, what are your thoughts on J.J. Redick? What, what can you say about playing with him? Because he was... He was a sharpshooter on that Duke squad. He definitely was. I mean, I never played uh, with a guy who literally couldn't miss. I mean, he was either he was either on or he was off. He was like no in between with JJ. Like JJ, and more so than often, he was on. Like it was some days in practice where he'd shoot the ball and we didn't touch him, no matter where he's shooting from. It just that's how pure of a shooter he was. And, I never seen anything like that before. Um, even all the teams I played for, you know, pros and everything like that, I just never seen a, a guy who can shoot the ball, you know, as well as he as he did. He can. And how did you get the nickname the landlord? I got it when I was in junior high. I was playing for my high school team, and uh, one of the announcers was saying that um, I was the owner in the, the paint, and everybody's coming to my paint. It was being my tenants. And uh, that game actually had a state record of 16 blocks. And he's like, he's been a landlord out there. So that stuck with me throughout high school. And then when I got to college, Dick Vitale helped out and made it a kind of a household name. And then it stuck with me ever since. 16 blocks in high school in one game. What was the, what were your averages in high school? And what were some other career highs you could tell me? I can't even remember. That's so long ago. I mean, uh, I just remember that the 16 blocks was a as a record, say record and everything. So I, I don't think I had another game with that many blocks. But, you know, I was always known as a defender and rebounder as well. So that's something that I kind of hung my hat on. But, you know, we had, a, we had a good high school team. I mean, we wound up being not number four in the nation uh, with a couple of guys that I played with, um, with D'Angelo Alexander and then also Matt Camp, who actually went to uh, play baseball in the major leagues, you know, Golden Glove winner uh, with the Dodgers and everything. So we had a really good squad. Um, won two state championships, and then, you know, why I'm going to uh, college and we all have winner. That's a fun – I'm not going to lie. That's a funny story. I never knew Matt Kemp was a basketball player, let alone play with you in high school. That That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt was trying to, you know, play basketball. Um, you know, he was trying to go to uh, college playing basketball, and then that didn't work out, and he wound up uh, making a better path. And, uh, he's also um, – he, I mean, he's done an amazing job, you know, playing in the uh, uh, major leagues. And you were coached by, of course, the legendary Coach K. What has he taught you as a man? And also, what is what have you taken from him as a coach as you're now a coach in the G League? I mean, he's been a great uh, coach. Uh, one thing he didn't, uh, he didn't coach was effort. You know, that's something he did all the time. Uh, he brought in energy. He brought in effort. There's no way that a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid can't have consistent effort. And that's something that he he pretty much preached from day one. Like, you know, you got to care. You got to, you know, have ownership and uh, an effort every day you know, that you do. And, you know, he, he's the reason why he's been respected by a lot of uh, players, you know, with the USA team, professional players, you know, every due class that comes in. So, I mean, it's, it's a great coach to play for as long as you know that if you can bring 
what you can bring every single day, everything else kind of falls in place. And Sheldon, give me your all-time Duke starting five with you not on the list. My all-time starting Duke five would be Jay Williams at this point. I will go Johnny Dawkins at the two. I will go Grant Hill at the three. I'll go I had a discussion yesterday. Um, Are you between Boozer and Elton right now? I had a discussion uh, yesterday because um, I had Boozer and Elton being more so five uh, and I had Leitner at the four. But then Smile was, I was talking about the more so the older players, but people were talking about putting Zion at the four spot. And I don't disagree with that. Um, I could see Zion being, you know, at the four and then, you know, uh, Leitner at the five. But I think originally I had yesterday was uh, Batty at the four and then uh, Leitner at the five yesterday. And how, how proud are you of Zion Williamson from what you saw in college at Duke and then translating to the NBA? I mean, he's a special talent. I mean, I didn't get a chance to really know him. Um, I met him a few times, but I didn't get a chance to really know him. But just seeing on the outside, looking in, he's a great guy. Um, he really loves basketball. Yeah, he loves Duke. He goes back at, at Duke. I think he went back for All-Star break. And then uh, I think he went back um, before the season started as well, too. So he's just uh, a great character guy. And uh, for him to weather this Form and then come back as hot as, hot as he did. It's been amazing to watch. I just wish that um, he didn't get hurt. We was able to see this, you know, consistently throughout the year. But you know, for him, I think if he continues to take care of his body, he's gonna see a special talent from him, you know, for a long time. Sheldon, can you talk about the pressure of being a top five pick going into the NBA as you were drafted the fifth pick in the 2006 draft? Um, the pressure, I'm not sure it was pressure. I mean, uh, I put myself in position, you know, playing my four years at Duke um, and being one of the, you know, the better players in the, in college basketball and also, uh, you know, all the things I achieved at Duke. So I don't think it was pressure um, because I, I was good enough to put myself in that position. Um, I was blessed enough to be, you know, a top five pick and everything. And, um, you know, with a lot of stuff with uh, how people come into the draft, you know, a lot of people, you know, go into spots that are, you know, a good fit right away. You know, sometimes you got people go in, they got to play behind somebody, and then all of a sudden something happens and they get thrown into the lineup. So a lot of things does happen uh, when you get to the next level, but I don't think it was pressure. I said I put myself in a position of, you know, to be in that position. And, you know, going from Duke to the NBA, Duke, it's like you're playing against kids your age, and then in the NBA there's men. Who is one big man who you stood next to and you are like, oh, wow, I'll match up with this guy tonight, whether it's Shaquille O'Neal, Ben Wallace, whoever it was. I mean, I had a few of those uh, because especially I was uh, a big KG fan, a big Rasheed Wallace fan uh, growing up. So when I got you a chance to play against them, it was kind of surreal because, you know, I used to have posters of these guys on my wall and now I'm playing against these guys and then wind up being teammates with both of those guys, which was crazy uh, in, uh, in Boston too. So um, kind of came full circle. And then uh, obviously Shaq, I mean, there's Shaq and Yao Ming, there's, it was just, I don't know how to even try to guard that. I just try to put my body in position and hopefully they don't just make me on a top team ESPN, so. I mean, Rashid Wallace has to be one of the funniest, just most unpredictable players in NBA history. What can you say about being his teammate? I'm, I'm sure you got great stories on Sheet. 
Yeah, I mean, she like you said, he's a funny guy. He, he's he's gonna rep Carolina, you know. So, you know, especially with the whole Carolina Duke thing all the time, whatever. But you no, know, Rashid, uh, one of the better teammates. Uh, like you said, he's just a funny guy. He just be talking about anything and everything. He he won't he won't stop talking. That's something that Rashid uh, he won't do. I mean, he just won't stop talking. But he's a funny guy, a uh, great teammate. I enjoyed uh, playing with him when I was in my uh, my years my year in Boston. Speaking of Boston. Your team matched up with the Lakers in the 2010 NBA Finals where you guys lost in seven games. Of course, you're matched up with Kobe Bryant. This is a two-part question. One, can you talk about playing in the NBA Finals and getting minutes on the one of the biggest stages in the world and then going against Kobe Bryant for seven games straight? I mean, honestly, that was a great series. We went back and forth uh, with the, the, the Lakers that year. Um, you know, being with game seven, uh, having to lead majority of the game, and then in the last five minutes, um, things kind of changed for our, our, our squad. Um, I'm not sure exactly what, but you know, uh, I think we had like a double-digit lead with five minutes to go, and then all of a sudden we kind of let, let that go. Obviously, we had uh, some injuries, where you know, uh, Perk being hurt and everything too. So it was uh, kind of a tough one to swallow. But I mean, if you're in the NBA and you get a chance to play in the, in the playoffs, that was my first time playing in the playoffs too, and I was able to go to a game seven in the NBA Finals. So that was pretty uh, pretty great to see because I was like a kid watching these games on TV and I was like, hey, now I'm over here on the squad playing a little bit and being able to play against one of the best. And what about matching up with Kobe Bryant? I mean, being on the same floor and watching him for those seven games. You know, anytime you play against Kobe, I mean, uh, I played against him a number of times in my, uh, my career, but you know, just being able to see somebody like that, um, the whole you know, Mamba mentality and everything, and how he took everything serious. Uh, serious. It was kind of like, you know, same way with, with KG, uh, being able to see uh, all of them outside, thinking it was an act, nice to play against KG, then all of a sudden I played with him. It's not an act, like he literally has that energy every single day, and he brings it every single day. And I'm like, well, if he's, 15, 16 years in doing that same stuff, there's no way for a guy like me who's four or five, six years in not to be able to be, you know, do the same stuff and everything. So you know, those those guys are special talents. You'll be able to see both of them up close like that. It's, it was unbelievable. And that Celtics team you're on was, oh my God, stacked one through 12. How would that 0-9-10 Celtics team do in the league today? You know, it's a faster paced game and Ray Allen with the true green light like there is today in the NBA. Uh, honestly, I mean, I think that team can stack against any any team of all time. I mean, uh, it, it had uh, all these Hall of Famers, with, uh, like you said, with Ray and KG and Rasheed and uh, Paul Pierce, uh, great players, and uh, uh, Rajon Rondo, too. I mean, honestly, and then, uh, you know, Perk being uh, anchor on the defensive end as well. Um, honestly, I think that was uh, a team that can go against any team in the era. And I got to bring up Brian Scalabrini because he was your teammate in Boston. He catches a lot of flack from the media. People think he can't ball. You spent a full year with him. What can, what can you say about his abilities? Uh, that's another guy that's a funny guy as well. Uh, Scal is a funny guy and really knows the game. Very intelligent guy. Um, he gets a lot of slack because, you know, people look at his body and everything and thinking like, all right, well, he don't have a, the body of a typical NBA athlete, which, you know, you can have your your your, your, think, your thoughts on that as well, but he's a a great smart player. Um, 
able to shoot the ball really well. I mean, I used to watch this guy when he was at USC. He had one, one of those uh, unbelievable teams with him and Japania and Sam Clancy and those guys. Like, I used to love watching the, you know, that team play. And it just, um, he's just a smart player. And there's a reason why he's been in the league for this long because he's just a smart player and he knows uh, how to use his body and his uh, athletic abilities, you know, as best as you know, he can. When you're in Denver, of course, you're teammates with Carmelo Anthony. Then you get word you're traded with Melo to New York. Can you run through yourself getting that news and then that experience of going through all that with Melo? I think it was the next year after, yeah, after I left uh, Boston. Um, and we were playing really well. You know, I think it was like, you know, maybe fifth in the, in the West or something like that, whatever. Um, but it was always over our heads. You know, that's something that they was talking about from the moment we got to uh, Denver throughout the whole season. It's just always like, you know, I matter when, I matter when, I matter when. Like, you know, we just don't know when it's going to happen. And I think at the time, New York was playing really well, too. They had like three in the, West, I mean, the East, and Amari was like, you know, an MVP-type candidate at the time. And we wind up um, going to our All-Star break. And then we came back and had a practice, and then some players weren't there. And we're like, okay, what's going on? You know, and then as soon as we get home, see on TV and everything, you know, it might be done, might be done, and we get the phone call, it, it got done. So we wind up getting traded. Uh, it was crazy because Dolan has sent the players from New York on a, a private plane to Denver, and they get off, and then all of us gets on, and then we fly right back. So it was a hit. It was kind of uh, surreal because I like at that time I never been on a, a PJ, and for that to happen, I was like, all right, well, I never, I've been traded before, but I never been traded where somebody sends a private jet for us, and you get back on a private jet. Can you talk about Melo as a teammate? I just recently watched an interview with Iman Shumpert where he loved Melo as a teammate. He'd take the blame, he'd take the shots, of course, and, you know, he was just the leader of those Nick teams. Yeah, I think uh, Melo uh, is a good teammate. Uh, obviously, he gets a lot of slack because of, uh, you know, the, the things that he does on the court. Um, you know, people are saying that, you know, him taking the ball and uh, being iso Melo and everything like that and not being a team player and everything. But, you know, Melo had one of the best strengths was him being ISO, you know, him being at mid-range, you know, facing you up and jab-stepping you and then, uh, you know, going one way and spinning back and you know, do a mid-range jump shot. I mean, I would just, you know, that's, a, that's that was his game. That was his game, this quick, you know, come down, quick shot and everything. That's just his game. But as a teammate, you know, Melo was a good teammate. Um, he was joking around with guys off the court and everything. Um, but it was it was never a guy where I was like, you know what, I just hate being around, I was never like that with Melo. Melo was always a good, you know, a good guy to be around. And when he was, uh, you know, blackballed by the NBA for that year span before Portland picked him up, did you feel he should have been in the league? I definitely. I mean, he still can play. I mean, as you, I mean, as you can see, you know, what he's doing with Portland, he's having a good year with Portland too. And he saw glimpses of old Melo as well too. So it just uh, a matter of him finding the right spot again, and then you know, being able to be get that opportunity and chance to play. Um, obviously, uh, things didn't work out with him in Oklahoma City and Houston, and then he got blamed for that, which, you know, I don't think it was fair for him to get all the blame for that as well. But uh, hopefully uh, with his run that he did in Portland, it kind of get him back into, uh, you know, a good spot next year or even back with Portland again next year. But uh, he deserves to go out on his own terms. And like I mentioned earlier, you're an assistant coach on the Hawks G League affiliate. What are your goals for yourself as a coach going forward? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't have any 
immediate goals right now. Um, I went from scouting with the Brooklyn Nets to now uh, coaching in the G League. It's my second year coaching in the G League. Um, you know, each each job has its pros and cons, but I like uh, being able to be with guys and have a relationship with guys and be able to work with these guys and be on the court. That's the, the best part of coaching for me, being able to do player development with these guys. And I really love, you know, doing those type things and then helping guys out and passing out knowledge as well. And Sheldon, can you tell me about your podcast, The Lease Is Up? You know, your nickname is The Landlord. So mention how you, you developed the name, what platforms it's on and some guests you've had on so far. So I just started this recently uh, about last week. So I'm about three shows in. I'm still kind of learning the, the whole podcast game. Uh, but yeah, I kind of um, got the name for my uh, playoff, my nickname, the Landlord. So so I did a leases up with, you know, Sheldon Landlord Williams. Uh, and I just got approved to be on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts and also uh, Spotify Podcasts and uh, Google Podcasts. So um, I'm uh, going to be uh, putting out some more episodes uh, this week and next week. But I, um, I just got done uh, having some episodes with uh, Chris Carrawell and uh, Daniel Ewan, you know, the last couple of days. So that'll be out there pretty, uh, pretty soon as well. And then I plan on uh, doing some more guys, uh, hopefully in the near, near future. Awesome. I'll be sure to put the links in the bio and also, you know, the graphic of your um, podcast over the screen when you're talking about it. Um, Sheldon, what was your proudest basketball moment? Was it having your jersey retired by Duke, number five in the NBA draft, playing in the finals? What was it? The, the first one is going to be um, me getting my uh, my jersey retired. I didn't go into Duke uh, thinking that I was going to be getting my jersey retired. That's something I never even thought of. Uh, it, it became a possibility when uh, my junior year, when I got a defense player of the year at Duke, you have to graduate and be a player of the year. And when I got that, that's when it became a uh, possibility going into my senior year that I can actually leave here and have my jersey retired. And then my second one was you know, obviously as a kid playing, I mean, playing in the driveway and playing against you know, the neighborhood kids and everything and uh, watching these guys on TV. And then all of a sudden I'm about to be drafted, you know, and I'm in the green room with uh, my parents and my, uh, my brother. Um, that's also another one where I walk, walk across that stage and uh, shake no. Uh, David Stern's hand. I mean, that was a, uh, my second greatest memory as well. And Sheldon, I see you on Instagram. You're getting sh- you're getting in shape. You're working out. Have you ever thought about Ice Cube's Big Three League? You know, your old teammate Joe Johnson's dominating the league. A few of your old teammates are there. Have you ever thought of it? See, no, I never really thought about uh, playing. Um, I had retired. I kind of uh, stopped playing for a couple years, and then I kind of got back into it. Um, but I never really actually uh, considered really playing in the, in the big three um, simply because, you know, in the summers, uh, that's my only free time that I have too. So I'm with my daughter for the majority of the time. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really thought about playing in the big three. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Sheldon Williams, landlord. Thank you for coming on episode 10. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it.